Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Amen. So we're going to get into the Word, and we have kicked off our new series, Inward and Outward, and uh, we're going to basically do uh, a part two of last week, talking about righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous and being righteous? What does that mean? And just as a means of introduction for this series, Inward and Outward, Romans 8 verse 19 says from the Passion, The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. So there's a world waiting. And generally speaking, there's a world waiting but also your world is waiting. You're wondering, are you talking to me? I'm talking to each one of you, right? Each one of you sitting here this morning, you've got a world. You've got a world that is waiting for this. Waiting for what? The world, your world is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of you. God's glorious son or God's glorious daughter. What does it mean to be unveiled? Because you might be veiled in your world. What does it mean to be veiled? It's not to be known, not to have the love of God known by you. It's like one day you're in the cafeteria and and someone talks about their weekend and you're like, yo, I was actually, um, I I, I was at a, a Sunday gathering yesterday, we received the word and they're like, are you a Christian? That's you being veiled. People not knowing that you are who you're saying you are, who you're talking about, you, you, you being. So, so the question is this, how can I unveil myself? How can my world come to see the unveiling of God's glory in me? And it all comes down to the series. Understanding what's happened to you inwardly, so that that inwardly can come out and have an outward impact in your life. I shared this last week, and uh, this is a Holy Spirit quote. Um, so you can, when you quote this on Facebook, you can just put the Holy Spirit. And um, it's, it's awesome, obviously, if we give recognition to specific guys, whether it's myself, whether it's uh, Shane. Or, uh, but ultimately, it's God's quotes, right? It's the Holy Spirit's leading. So uh, we want to give Him the glory. We want to give Him the honor. And uh, so last week I shared this. We'll never step out of the boat if we don't believe Jesus has invited us onto the water. We'll never allow ourselves to be unveiled if we don't believe that the unveiling is for our benefit and the people around us. I shared this word with Rian earlier on and it's it's an awesome word where Arthur of the story, King Arthur, when he pulled out Excalibur from the rock, his life not only changed but the people around him's life changed too, right? The things that God wants to do in your life is going to benefit you, but so much more so, it's going to benefit the people around you. Think about a godly marriage. When someone, the husband or the wife, chooses to yield to the impulses of the Holy Spirit, it's going to bless the marriage. It's going to bless the family. It has a ripple effect when people start yielding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this is what the world is waiting for. The world is not waiting for better government, better laws and things like that. Because laws don't change people's hearts. If laws changed people's hearts, Jesus wouldn't have come to fulfill and perfect that which was law. To show us 
what God intended from the beginning of time, which is not for us to follow a bunch of laws and, and uh, try and measure ourselves against ourselves, but to come and show us His way, which is having His Spirit come and live inside of you and transform you completely. That is the gospel. That is God's message. That is Jesus' message that He came to, to bring about. So just a quick recap from last week then, Romans 4 verse 6, and then we'll get into this morning's message. And if you missed last week, the, the audio is on our Facebook page via SoundCloud. Romans 4 verse 6 says, Even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. Apart from our works, God's work is enough. The complete wholeness that comes inside someone. As a son of God, you are not incomplete. As a daughter of God, you are not incomplete. You might feel incomplete. But the only reason why you're feeling incomplete is because you don't know something. Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for what? For what they don't know. You are complete. You are a whole person. Colossians 2 verse Verse uh, 6 also says this, no, Colossians 2 verse 10, that you've been made complete in Christ. So either the word is true or it's not. And I'm trusting that I'm in good company here that you believe that the word is true. So if you don't see what the word is talking about, it means that you don't understand something. And continually we see this prayer of Paul and throughout the word, we see this encouragement to come to know something. Jesus also ministered to his disciples and specifically to the religious people of his day and said, you go to the scriptures because you think by them you're going to find eternal life. And then he says, but you don't understand the scriptures are talking about me. So there was a lack of understanding. There was a lack of knowledge, not knowing something. So what you don't know is actually killing you. It's not blessing you. So we need to come to know the truth because John 8.32 says that by knowing the truth, you will be set free. The truth alone being out there is not going to set you free because the truth has been out there for generations upon generations. From the beginning of time, the truth has been declared to mankind. God's will has been declared to mankind that I want to enjoy a oneness with you that is unbroken. I want to come and complete you. And we see these amazing, we hear, hear these amazing songs and we see these rom-coms and it's like, you complete me and this and that. And No, that's just gibberish. One, only one thing can complete you and it's the love of Christ. Coming to know His love. And it's only from that place that you can truly love another. Because before that, your love will be up and down. Your love will be like a roller coaster. And so it's the more we spend time with God and we come to know His love for us that we can overflow with His love for one another. We've got a perfect right standing with God and we're going to continue looking at that this morning. But with this right standing, we need to understand something. With this right standing, what we looked at last week is that this right standing is intended to bring about a confidence, a boldness to do something. Like I said, you will not come out and walk on water if you don't believe that Jesus has invited you and enabled you to do just that. And that is what righteousness is about, understanding that this is who I am. 
This is who God has created me to be. A confidence, a boldness that when my father says, you can do X, Y, and Z, I've got the confidence to go and do, do X, Y, and Z. When I went to Catherine's uh, mom's place for the first time when we were still dating, her mom, I was invited into the house, praise God. Um, that was a win already, being invited in. <laughs> and then, uh, I can't remember if she said this, I might have just heard this because, because of my upbringing. And so, um, right off of the cuff, I was hungry and I, I went to the fridge and I made myself a sandwich. And so, um, I wasn't kicked out of the house or anything like that. But I've got this understanding, if I go to someone's house and I'm invited in, I can make myself at home. Right? I don't know if you've been brought up with that understanding, but I've been brought up with that understanding. And it's the same with God and the family. You are invited to make yourself at home this morning. And you get to decide how much are you going to make yourself at home. Maybe you're going to be like a little bit reserved, like, is the coffee for free? Like, I don't see any prize. Like, the coffee is for free. For those of you who didn't wonder, you can enjoy some coffee with us. But the point is this, that, that God has invited us in. Now, how much of that inness we're going to enjoy is dependent on us. It's not dependent on God. And so let's make ourselves at home. Let's enjoy and let's, let's partake this morning. But on this note of righteousness and understanding that we've been invited in and we've been made complete, the problem is when you receive the Spirit of God, you receive this completeness. But each one of us here this, this morning, you consist out of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Right? So if you don't know what that means, we've got awesome teachings on spirit, soul, and body explaining it in more depth. depth. But basically, you've got a physical body, and your physical body does not change when you receive Christ. All of you would know this. When you receive Christ, when you got born again, your physical body did not change. It would have been awesome if we, our physical bodies changed, right? And it was just like six-packs and like biceps and triceps and like no cellulite and all of these types of things. It would have been amazing, but that, that's, that's not how it works. So your body stays the same, and then your thinking pretty much stays the same when you receive the Spirit of God. Your thinking only changes when you allow it to be changed. When you go through a process of renewing your mind, as, as Paul says in Romans 12, we need to renew our minds to truth, and then change comes about. But your Spirit is complete. So one-third of you is complete and perfect, but that one-third of you needs to now come out to the surface and that coming out to the surface in our actions and how we're doing things, how we're treating people, how we're de dealing with people comes through knowing something and understanding that which happened in your spirit. But one of the things that is a big counter to this transformation and enjoying this transformation is the big P word. And it's not what some of you thought of now, um, those unrenewed uh, in the gutter thinkers um, it's pride. Pride. Pride will hinder the outworking and the flow of this righteousness in our lives. Galatians chapter 2. Let's go to Galatians 2 verse 20 and 21. We looked at verse 20 last week. Can I do something to make your life easier for you, Pierre? With the mic's uh, feedback. I'm going to try and move forward a little bit. It feels like and I'm coming a little bit forward, it seems a little bit less of feedback here. Okay, so Galatians chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 20 and 21. Last week we looked at verse 20 and it says, 
I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. So Paul is writing about something here, and we are never instructed to read the Word. We're instructed to study the Word. There's a big difference, right? It's not a storybook. It's not a storybook. It's a, it's a story of God's declaration, God's plans, God's purposes from the beginning of time recorded for our benefit. Right? So we need to study it. We need to be intentional about studying the Word. Paul writes to Timothy about this and he says, um, Be diligent, be faithful to study, to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed. So we need to study the Word and be diligent in, in uh, breaking up the Word according to God's uh, uh, overall message, which is the Gospel. So Paul writes this and he says, So I'm crucified with Christ. So he's talking about his born again uh, transition and what happened. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So he's talking about I once lived, but that man died. And now I'm living a new life. But that new life that I'm living, I'm living by Christ in me. Okay, and then he says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, so there's still a in the flesh. He's still talking about like, there's still a carnal life that I'm living. I still need to eat. I still need to sleep. But this life, my going about doing life, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is an awesome declaration because he says this life that I'm living now here on earth, I'm living by understanding something. I'm living by knowing something. What's that one thing? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you're living your life unknowing of this, if you're living your life without continually being reminded of his love for you and what he gave for you, you will live powerless. Because you can't live in power in the manifestation of power that God talks about in the Word if you do not know who you are and whose you are. You are God's child. He loves you and He gave Himself for you. And by Him giving Himself for you, He did not just come to die and pay for our sins. And that's what this whole theme of the Holy Spirit has been about that we've been journeying on that Christianity often is just sold as this Jesus is coming to better your life. And your life can be better in the sense of you get to respond differently now to challenging circumstances. But it's not a gospel of prosperity where you now come and say yes to Jesus and now you're going to get the houses and the cars and the limousines and the things like that. Nowhere in the Word is the instruction about that. But we've made the gospel about something that Jesus did not make it about. Jesus explicitly says the gospel is a message of reconciliation. It's a message of being reconciled to right relationship, righteousness to God. Verse 21 says, I do not frustrate. Say frustrate. Who of you have been frustrated this past week? Good stuff. I've also been frustrated this past week. Um, Paul is writing, he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. So if he's saying, I do not frustrate the grace of God, he's implying that you can frustrate the grace of God, right? 
So how do we frustrate the grace of God? He goes on to tell us, For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. That's a hard statement. For if my righteousness, if what we're talking about, what we've been talking about last week, if my righteousness, my right standing with God, if my ability to have His outworking in my life, because that is what righteousness is also about, knowing that you've got power of attorney to do X, Y, and Z. If your righteousness, if your empowering, because that's what righteousness is about, when you understand that you are righteous, when you understand that you are a child of God, you're going to act with confidence, with boldness. You're not going to be fearful or timid. Last week we looked at the spirit that God has given you is not a spirit of fear, of timidity, but it's a spirit of empowering, of love and a sound mind. When I'm talking like I'm talking now, I'm not arrogant. I just believe who I am and who God says I am. But Paul says we can't frustrate this, 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 this grace of God, the empowering of God in our lives if we think our righteousness, our empowering, our enabling comes by the law because then what Christ come, came to do was in vain. It was pointless. Because Christ came to enable and make possible, this is what we're talking about. Right standing with God, right relationship with God. His Spirit living in us. The word frustrate means to nullify. It means to choke. So we can choke, we can nullify, we can cut off the flow of God's empowering in our lives. And it all boils down to this, this mindset of, of religion, of, of performance. Because we're living in a world where if you don't perform, you don't get paid, right? Those of our, who've got works, you know. If you don't perform, you don't get paid. If you perform really well, you get paid really well and you get bonuses and you get promotions and things like that. That's the world we're living in. And that in and of itself is not bad. Being a hard worker versus being lazy... It's not bad. Christians shouldn't be lazy. The Word talks about that. And oftentimes people who are lazy don't like certain scriptures in the Bible. Like those who are lazy and don't work should not get fed. People don't like to hear that. It seems ungraceful. No, it's not ungraceful because if you understand the grace of God, you understand that the grace is an empowering to do something. Paul writes about this to the church of Corinth and he says that, I am who I am, and that which I am is by the grace of God. And by His grace, I labor more abundantly than they all. Yet it's not me, but it's the grace of God. So there he talks about grace quite continually in one scripture, all pointing to one thing, laboring more abundantly. So if you desire to labor more abundantly, you need to come understand what the grace of God is about. And not frustrate that grace so that there can be overflow. Let's go to Romans 9 to further talk about this, this choking and this frustrating of the grace of God. Because we don't want to frustrate the grace of God. We don't want to nullify. We don't want to choke the grace of God, which is His empowering to have an outworking of the Spirit through our lives. Romans 9 verse 30 to 33 
He says, why does all of this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standard, say not trying. So think about that. They were not trying to follow God's standards. They were made right with God. Imagine that. They were not trying. And they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. So how did this take place? By faith. Thank you. Sometimes I ask rhetorical questions and sometimes the response is, is very kind of you, so I appreciate that. Um, and so this took place by faith. Verse 31. But the people of Israel, so this is the Jews, the people of Israel who tried to, say tried to. So they tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law. So how did they try to keep right with God? Okay. What does it say about them? They never succeeded. Say never succeeded. succeeded. Does it say they sometimes succeeded? Never means never. If you go and study the the Greek, the Hebrew, all of that, the Aramic, it comes down to one thing. Never. Nada. Zilts. Zero. They never succeeded. Verse 32. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting. Two T words there. Trying versus trusting in Him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. Rock. Think about rock. Don't think about Dwayne Johnson now. The Bible talks about a different rock. It's a greater rock. It's a... And don't think about Will Smith and the, this, that whole incident either. All of these... These, uh, these distractions when we think about rock these days. Now, the, the rock is a, is a beautiful picture and a beautiful symbolism that we're going to look at here now in light of what, what is happening in Romans chapter 9. So they stumbled over the great rock in their path. This wasn't a, a physical rock. It was a metaphorical rock. We're going to look at that in a moment. But I want to come down to the, the, the end of verse 31. You will never have success in life without being united with God's Spirit. You will never have success in this life without being united to God's Spirit. Because that is what you were created for. You are not created for the work that you are currently doing. However good you are at it, it does not matter. Because in heaven you are not going to have that, that title. Whether it's engineer, whether it's whatever, doctor. None of those things are going to matter in heaven per se. But what's going to matter in heaven is, firstly, if you're going to be there. And you're going to be there by having received by faith, not by trying, by trusting in Him. But then our success in life then goes over into overflow. And that's what the series is about. There's an inward that has happened, but that inward is intended to bring about an outward I love the, the picture of God's grace and I see it like a two-sided coin where the grace of God and the message of the gospel is not just a, a forgiveness of sins but it's also a justification for a life of righteousness. So on the one side we are forgiven of all our past, present and future ten sins because guess what? If you haven't noticed, your sins that you've committed were, past, were future tense because Jesus died quite a few number of years ago, right? So you need to come and understand that your past, present, and future ten sins have already been forgiven. And that brings about a level of confidence and boldness that 
people who think religiously about repenting and asking for forgiveness of their sins continually, daily, and what if I forgot one? Am I going to be that? Or is God going to kind of work through me because I've forgotten about confessing that one sin? Man, there's so many teachings that go off in my head now that I want to get into. But knowing the Bible, does it talk about New Testament specifically and Jesus and what He came to do for us? Nowhere is it talking about and asking us to confess our sins to God. In James, it talks about confessing our sins to one another. Whole different teaching, not going to get into that now. And then in Romans chapter 9, it talks about confessing your righteousness, confessing Jesus, not confessing your sin. So if you're confessing your sin on a daily basis at night in your prayer time, stop it. Because that's not what the Word is instructing us to do. It instructs us to confess Jesus and thank Him for your forgiveness. You don't have to list all of the things that you are thankful for because then you might get depressed as well. <laughs> Reciting all of it. Thank you, Jesus, that you... Thank you, Jesus. So let's, let's thank Jesus just generally for all of the amazing things that He did for us in that day and all of the forgiveness that we have in Him. But we'll never have success in this life, true success, if we don't have the Spirit of God live in us. And we are continually trusting in that. Because you can receive the Spirit of God, become born again, because that's what it means to receive the Spirit of God. It's being born again. There's only one type of Christianity, and it's spiritful Christianity. There's not Christianity and then spiritual Christianity. It's one thing. Because what happens to the, the Christian that receives, what happens to the person that receives Jesus? They receive the Spirit. Their old nature is past. They've got a new nature. What is that new nature? New spirit. New DNA. You receive the spirit of God. Now there's a difference between having the spirit of God and the spirit of God working through you. And that's what we're busy with in this, this whole series is having the outworking of the Holy Spirit. And some people have called that spirit-filled Christianity. But that's not doctrinally correct because all Christianity is by default spirit-filled Christianity. Now, that maybe seems like besides the point for you guys, but it's important to understand what happened to you and that you do have the Spirit of God living inside of you. But now you need to come to know what does that mean and what does that empower you for so that you can be fruitful. Amen? We want to be fruitful Christians, not just Christians. We want to be mature Christians, not just Christians. Thank you, Ailey. I'm praying that you guys in the back and all over would come in agreement with this because my life is going to be easier when you become a mature Christian. And your life is also going to be easier the more I mature because there's maturing for me to do. You're going to go ask my wife. There's maturing for me to do as well. This is God's definition of success. Faith in His goodness and yielding our life to His leading. That's simple. Faith in His goodness and yielding our life to His leading. Pride as I did it my way. Trying to do it our way will never bring about success. We see it here. The Israelites, they tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, but they never succeeded. Now this is specifically talking about our righteousness in God, but this is applicable to all areas of our lives. 
Because success is birthed from this one place, having God's Spirit live inside of you. This is awesome. Joseph, we look back at Joseph, and Joseph is sold. Firstly, he's betrayed by all of his brothers, and he's sold as a slave. And as a, as a slave, he gets taken to Egypt, and he's sold, and he's on the, 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 the slave, in the slave trade, so to speak. And they generally like, uh, get the guys pretty much, and the women, they're pretty much naked because the, 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 the buyers, they wanted to see the physical attributes of what I'm buying, right? You want to see, like, is this... Is this a strong slave? Is it a weak slave? So they wanted to see that. And, and Joseph, in that state of humility and nakedness, the word declares that, and Joseph was a successful man because he knew the Lord. Imagine that. In that state of having nothing, literally a slave, in the, in the slave trade, the word declares about him, he was successful. Because he had one thing. He had relationship with God. And we see this in Daniel as well. And it writes and it says that. And my people. Will have great success. Because they know. Their God. We will have great success. When we know our God. Knowing our God. Is not just knowing about Jesus. But it's knowing him personally and intimately. It's not just the once-off decision, okay, cool, I've, I've said yes to Jesus and now I'm going about my own life. No, that is pride. Pride is doing it your way, trying to figure it out your way. Verse 33 says, God warned them. So what did God do? He warned them. That's kind of him, right? He warned them. It's like saying, hey guys, if you're going to go this route, something bad is going to happen. But I've given you free will. I've given you the answers. In Deuteronomy it says that God has placed before us death and life, blessings and curses. Choose life. It's like there's this, there's this, there's this test, there's a few options. He gives us the answer. Choose life. Choose Jesus. Choose His Spirit. Because in that you're going to experience true life. God warned them of the scriptures which said, I'm placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. This is awesome. This is a, a prophecy from the Scriptures talking about Jesus, the rock that is going to come in, causing a stumbling stone for the people of Israel because the people of Israel tried to, work to, perform in order to have right standing with God. But that was not God's way. That was not God's intent of the law. And so this rock was a stumbling to the people. The solution is there for us, but like with any solution, we get to believe it or do it our way. It's funny, it uh, makes me think about, I wonder if my wife is going to hear this. <laughs> if not now, she's going to listen to the teaching and then she's going to hear it. Um, there's certain things that we get to do and Generally speaking, there's, there's two ways to do things, right? Or there's three or four ways to do things. In this context, there's one way to do something. To be right with God, there's only one way. It's trust in Him. There's no other way. There's only one way to receive the Spirit of God. It's by faith in Jesus. And so, it reminds me of this one story. Our, our, our microwave broke earlier this year. And uh, the, 
The problem with the microwave was that it was working perfectly. All of the buttons worked, but there was this one button that stopped working, and it's the start button. <laughs> and so, what I figured out was that, and I always saw this, but I thought that, oh, it's probably not going to make a difference, but it did make a difference. She preferred to press the start button a few times because you press it start and then it's 30 seconds. So you press it again and it's one minute and you press it a third time and it's one minute and a half, right? You guys get it. Like yeah. press it. So how many ever times you press it, it goes 30, 30, 30 seconds. And so for some reason, that's her way of doing it. Okay? And so afterwards, I'm like, when we got the new microwave, we had this conversation slash debate slash disagreement about which is the best way to do it. So logically speaking, which generally, that's what guys do, right? Logic, reason. I'm not digging a hole for myself. Let's just pause there. So for me, I'm like a microwave was created and there's, there's different settings there. And obviously the settings is there for a purpose. And for me, it's like, okay, cool, I'm going to heat up the food for two minutes. There's a two there, one button, it does what I want it to do. For her, it's pressing the start button four times. <laughs> and what's the moral of the story? Our microwave start button stopped working. So I think, I think my reasoning is pretty, pretty, pretty healthy and a, a above reproach, so to speak, to say that there is a better way. There is a right way versus a wrong way. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just making a joke, but the point is this, that I was right. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, praise God that God's desire for us is not to live in a place of, of, of right and wrong, but life versus death. And obviously the, the, the microwave example now, it's got nothing to do with, with life and death even though I might experience some death later on. Um, now, all, uh, all jokes aside, now, it's really important to understand that God desires for us to do things His way. He created us. He formed us. He knows what is best for us. It's difficult to think sometimes because we're pretty good at, at sorting our own lives out and thinking like, we've got it all figured out, right? None of us here, or everyone who didn't come, um, but it's important to understand that God is God and we are His creation. We're sons and His daughters. And He knows what is good for us, what is best for us. And when it comes to righteousness, there's only one way to be right with Him. And it's by trusting on Jesus and not allowing Jesus to become the stumbling block for us and not allow what Jesus is standing for to be a stumbling block for us. Because for so many people, the label Jesus has become a stumbling block. For a long time, it was a stumbling block for the Israelites and still today is for the Jews because they have not come to believe on Jesus. But in many senses, the label Jesus, which has then become the label of Christianity, has become a stumbling block for people because He's not represented in His true form. He's not represented in the way that we see in the Bible where He's a, love of, or he's a God of love or He's a love of love as well because He is by DNA love. 1 John 4 verse 8 says that God is love. That's His nature. That is His very being. And so, 
God's desire for us as His sons and daughters is to represent Him in accordance to His true nature. And that's going to require us to renew our minds and, and forget about things we've been taught versus what the Bible is teaching. And even on a Sunday basis, the scriptures are on the screen. The, I'm, I'm speaking about the Word. I know for a fact our ministry is one of the, the ministries that on a Sunday basis, but not just on a Sunday, in every setting, whether it's ministry school, whether it's life group, the, the, the intent and the purpose is very much to get into the Word. Because it's getting into the Word that we really see what the Word is talking about. I'm not, I told you guys a story now, but in, in, in light of all of my sharing this morning, there was a whole lot more Word than there was storytelling. In some churches, there's more storytelling than there's Word. What does that leave the church? And it leaves it in a state of knowing cool stories. What's that going to help you? Knowing cool story. You need to know the word. What did Jesus do when he was tempted by Satan? He didn't talk about stories. He didn't. He talked about the word. He quoted the word. Because it's the word of God that enables us. It's by hearing the word of God, the gospel of Christ, that we are built up in our faith. Romans 10 verse 17 says. So it's important for us to get into the word, to study the word. But when we choose God's way, we will succeed in all areas of our lives. Why? Because we have His Spirit and we are yielding to His leading, which is perfect. His leading is perfect. David wrote about the Psalm 23. We all know the Psalm. He leads me beside still waters on His paths of righteousness. What does that mean? His way of making me right. His perfect will for me to have His Spirit live in me and His Spirit living through me. In all areas of our lives, not just in some areas, not just for church settings, but in every area of my life, as an employee, as an employer, as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, you fill in the title or the function or the, the role of your life. You will have success in that area by being a child of God and allowing the, 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 the flow of the Spirit in your life and yielding to His leading. Coming to a close, Romans 10. So both Romans 9 and Romans 10 is talking about this, this picture of, of pride and, and what it leads to. Romans 10 verse 1 to 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and prayer. So this is Paul writing to believers in Rome. And he says, My longing and my heart and prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. So who's the people of Israel? The Jews. Now that's maybe like a, like a, 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 a spanner in your, your wheel works is, is what you believe about the people of, uh, of Israel and the Jews. Paul believed something and he says that my prayer is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. Say misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way. Say God's way. Of making people right with himself. Refusing to, say refusing to. refusing to. They refuse to accept God's way. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Verse 4 says from the King James, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. We're not going to get into there's no, not enough time to get into the specific teaching of the intent and the purpose of the law. 
um, this morning, we'll, we'll probably get into that in this year still. But we need to understand that the, the law served a specific purpose and Jesus Christ came to fulfill and bring to completion the law. And the people of Israel and the whole world still, very much so, is thinking that the purpose of the law is to try and live up to a specific standard, work towards a specific place of being good enough for God. And that understanding is overflowing into our relationships too. Never feeling good enough for my spouse. Never feeling good enough in my relationships. Always feeling insecure. So we need to come to this place and this understanding in our relationship with God. We are good enough. Not by what we do, but what, what Jesus has done on our behalf. Fulfilling and completing something that no man could have ever fulfilled and brought to completion. The law, the standard of perfection. That Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin so that we might be made specifically the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But pride, religion, legalism will always lead us to try and perform, try and measure ourselves among one another because in a, in a life of competition, it feels good when you're ahead, right? It feels bad when you're behind. So there's this continual thing of, man, I'm doing great, I'm doing great, look at me, I'm up front. And then the next moment, you're like there in the middle somewhere and then you're behind because you've just failed in a few areas and you feel so condemned. So a lot of Christianity is very much up and down because they don't understand that their righteousness is not a matter of your condition, but it's a matter of your position. And you are seated with Christ. You have been made His righteousness, not by your performance, not by what you haven't done, but by His perfect work. He brought to completion the, the law. But the Israelites and so many of us to some degrees are still refusing to accept God's way. And you're clinging to your own way of doing life. You're clinging to what you think is important. You're clinging to what you think this life is truly about. Getting married, then having one or two, maybe three kids, having a house that is paid off by the time you're 65. That is why the world is living in the depression that it's living in. Because it's living for something that they weren't created to live for. It's laying up treasures and accumulating stuff that we weren't created to lay up for ourselves and to accumulate. There's only one thing that is going to bring about success and going to be laying a foundation of success in your life. And it's that of receiving God's Spirit and then yielding to you so that, that Spirit can come to the surface and impact the people around you. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 to 6. It's about His ability in us. And 2 Corinthians 3 5 to 6 says, Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength. For our true confidence flows from God's empowering presence. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. 
you are an able minister this morning, right now. It doesn't matter how bad your week was. It doesn't matter how good it was. It doesn't matter how much Bible you know. It doesn't matter how little Bible you know. You are able minister not by your works, your performance, your merit. You are an able minister by receiving the Spirit of God. That is what qualifies you. That is what empowers you. And this is something that the church needs to hear on a continual basis. It's not by our works or our performance that we get God to work through us. It's by trusting and relying on His perfect work. And that is what success is about. And that is what will usher in a greater level of fruitfulness in your life. Believing and trusting on what He accomplished on your behalf. John 16 verse 8 to 11 says this, And He, when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin. This is talking about uh, the Holy Spirit and Jesus ministering to his disciples and saying, I'm going to leave guys and I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. And what will he do? He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So what is this talking about? What is the, what is the sin that the world will be reproved of and righteousness and judgment? Well, let's continue reading. Of sin, so he's answering for us. Of sin because they believe not on me. That is the sin that the world is reproved of is unbelief in Jesus. It's not individual acts of sin. Because individual acts of sin can be changed by performance. By trying not to do X, Y, and Z. But if you don't change someone's nature, by default some way, that sin is going to come to the surface. It's like if you cut off a tree, but you don't uproot it, it's going to sprout out eventually again. If you uproot weeds, but you don't uproot it at its root, it's going to come out again. The world needs to not be sin-focused on individual acts of sin, but they need to receive Christ and believe on Jesus. And then it will deal with the, the fruit of sin as they come to know what's happened to them by receiving. Verse 10, of righteousness because I go to my Father. So again, declaring that Jesus, what He accomplished for us by going to the Father, He poured out, He left us something. His Spirit. His Spirit in us brings about our righteousness, our right standing with God the Father, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. We are fighting from a place of victory. We're not trying to get victory. We are more than overcomers, Romans 8 says. We are more than overcomers because Christ has already overcome on our behalf. And when we come to believe this and really cling to this, rather than clinging to us trying to fix our lives. Any of you have tried to fix your life this past year? You've tried to do this. Things go wrong and you're like, okay, now I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to fix this. I'm going to go in that direction. Never considering, Father, what are you leading me in? What are you showing me? And guess what God will always first do before He shows you your next step? He'll show you who you are in Christ. Because it doesn't matter where you are, what your position, what you are doing for work, you can be in prison. Yet your righteousness, your identity, your value never changes. We see this from Paul on many occasions writing to us from prison. We see Joseph's life from a prison cell on the slave trade. He was successful. Because he knew he's God. This is what God desires for us, to know him. 
The gospel has a single purpose. Romans 1.17, last verse. Romans 1.17, the gospel has a single purpose. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness. So in Romans 8 verse 14, we, saw, we see this, this, this mature children of God are those who are being led by the Holy Spirit. No, sorry, it was early on we talked about the unveiling of God's glory and His righteousness. Where was that? That was in Romans... Yeah, Romans 8 verse 19. So the world is waiting for, for the unveiling of God's children. Romans 1.17 says this for us, The gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness. So it's in knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ and allowing this to continually remind us of our righteousness. A perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us. Say moves. It moves us from receiving the life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says we are right with God through life giving faith. This is awesome. A life that we receive by faith to a life living by the power of faith. The power of living faith. What is this talking about? It's talking about an inward and an outward. God's desire for you is to by faith receive Jesus Christ. Praise Him. And you are transformed and you are changed inward. But then true faith is going to lead to an outworking of living the power of living by faith. We need to realize that faith, we need to realize that pride is a flow killer. And we are righteous and able not by anything we've ever done. It all comes down to faith in His goodness and yielding to His leading. If we ever feel qualified or disqualified to have His power manifest through us based on our works or lack thereof, it just shows we don't understand what happened at salvation. I'm going to say that again. If you ever feel qualified or disqualified to have His power manifest through you, based on your works or lack thereof, it just shows you don't really understand what happened at your salvation. At your salvation received His righteousness and the power of attorney to work the same works as Jesus. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at gracelife.co or visit us at gracelife.co.